Welcome to episode 94 of Brody Sports Talk. My name is Caleb Walgren, and today we're going to be discussing the Julio Jones trade rumors and everything that is surrounding that. Then we'll be picking picks 17 through 32 of the way too early Brody Sports Talk 2022 NFL Draft. Generic Hype Statements. That's right. What's up, Brodies? This is Caleb, and I am excited to have some NFL discussion with my fellow Brodies. No need to hesitate. We're talking about the bad boy Bronco himself, Derek Rusnick, and the gunner who also loves to fly, Eagles fly. That is Sean Morgan. I was waiting. I was wondering where you're going to go with that. Like, is he going to do something with the Eagles? Is he going to do something with Arsenal? He did a little bit of both. A little bit of both. He volunteers his tribute to this podcast. Every yeah. week. Yeah. It's uh, it's my cardinal rule. I don't know how Absolutely. we're going to blend Rafael Nadal into this. <laughs> you could call Sean the king of clay. But that's probably not likely. <laughs> Good, good try. Good, good try. Good try. Certainly not the king of Djokovic. <laughs> uh, he uh, he's talking. He put out a statement on social media about how excited he is for Roland Garros and he's coming for for that title. And it's like, okay, sure thing, man. You got it. Thumbs up. If you're wondering where the Jokovic hate is coming from, please make sure you tune into our prior episode, two episodes ago, the Brody Hater Bracket, where Sean lambasted Novak Djokovic and threw him under the bus. Can I ask is that an option? It doesn't have to be like, you know, it could be a you know, like one of those little buses that uh, like a like a little kid drives, almost like the like the four year old, like uh, the a power wheel or yeah. <laughs> Just enough to to mildly inconvenience him. I mean, this isn't a big threat of violence here on a officially recorded podcast. Just, you know, I mean, just a mild discomfort. It's no worse than, you know, hitting him in the face with a tennis ball that you just blasted, <laughs> you know. Oh, wait, yeah. he actually did that to something. I know. <laughs> oh, and oh, that would mean you'd be disqualified for the episode, I think, Sean. Oh, OK. Well, I <laughs> okay. Mean, here we go. You ready? Ready? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just. Please don't. We would rather not go without Sean. So uh, let's go ahead and, and pass it around with our happies and crappies of the week. Uh, Sean, I'm going to let you get started with whatever note you have. Uh, and I wasn't expecting to be the one to kick it off. Uh, it's officially the end of footy season. Uh, match day 38 came and went Sunday. It was very exciting. A lot of storylines going into it. I mean, there's still the Champions League final and then the EFL Championship playoff final. Uh, but ultimately, uh, a lot of things that I predicted happened. Uh, Arsenal finished eighth. Wasn't my favorite prediction, but I was right. Uh, and just so I can throw some shade at Caleb, Everton basically fell off a cliff, uh, just like I expected them to. 
and uh, just a little, you know, a little justification there. So that was good. Uh, the bad is that we finished eighth. The crappy is that we finished eighth. Uh, missed out on European football, but wants to go play like Europa Conference, right? It's like you, you have to go and play teams in like Kazakhstan. It's like, not it's okay, man. Like you can, Spurs can go and the joke I like is Spurs can go play Azkaban away uh, and enjoy the dementors in the crowds. You can, you know, we're okay to stay home uh, on Wednesdays and Thursdays this year. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and just interject. I know my crappy is Everton getting lambasted by Man City on you Sunday. Guys that 5 nothing loss was ugly. And uh, in general, like finishing 10th on the table, yeah. Finishing with a minus in the plus goal, plus minus goal differential for the season, not not enjoyable. Um, all of our weaknesses were exposed there. I um, mean, you have no midfield. Sean, was that both your happy and your crappy that Arsenal finished eighth, and so you ended on a win? But the crappy is that it's done. Uh, the happy is that it was an exciting. My match day thirty eight is always exciting. Right. Uh, and for those of you who don't follow, uh, you know, like any European football, a lot of the European leagues will have all of the teams play the final day and they all play uh, the exact same time. So that way there's no, you know, like way to, to you know, throw something or, you know, hey, I already know we're already finishing in X place. Let me, you know, let off the gas. And it just keeps up the integrity of, you know, all three matches. So it's always an exciting thing um, as a as a fan. Um, you know, you have a bunch of new, you know, you have nine other neutral matches to watch. Uh, in some cases, not so neutral. So, like for me, I had four different matches going at the same time, trying yeah. to you know keep track of stuff. And then I had on the other screen, I have three screens in front of me. Uh, and so on the other screen, I so two screens had two matches, and then one screen I was basically refreshing. Um, like the standings and then going through and looking at, you know, scores and looking at the soccer subreddit for, you know, goal highlights. It was just a fun time. So that was great. That was my happy. And the crappy was that Arsenal finished eighth and it was probably one of the worst seasons we've had uh, in the last 25, 30 years. So. Uh, Derek, do you want to go ahead and go? Yeah, of course. So my happy is the OTAs in the NFL. Football is back. Someone tell me something about something. Uh, Drew Locke is on the field with Teddy Two Gloves for my Denver Broncos. And uh, I am just excited that there's any news of any NFL team out there right now. I love my football. My crappy, I have traded to Sean for a second round pick in the way too early Brody Sports Talk 2023 NFL draft and a player to be named later. <laughs> Note, I should try to remember this moment and totally surprise Derek sometime this time next year when we do the 2023 NFL mock. And just do it like like real time. Too. It's like, yeah. By the way, you actually are not picking in this spot. Um, you know, it's been traded. <laughs> in the 33rd like, pick in the <laughs> 2023 Brody Sports Talk, way too early NFL draft. Derek, what do you got? It's the first round, first pick of the second round. This is the one you traded that one time for a crappy. 
Uh, nice. Notice and I said second round pick, not first round pick. I know you, you one, threw that in too now. valuable, and we don't do second rounds. You threw second round in now. Uh, you didn't say that in the first place. I mean, clearly, clearly, we are doing second round in the future. That's it's already been decided. It's too late. It, it's our you, plus one. Yeah, you can't you can't backtrack. Um, so this is going to be a really random happy, uh, but it's something that I only kind of stumbled upon now, which probably is not great because it's been trending for a while. But uh, I finally heard Wellerman, the the, the sea shanty song that mm-hmm. has been like going viral this year. And my goodness, that is a lot of fun. Uh, like two minutes of a song that just seems like, you know, it's sung by a, a gentleman who's Scottish. It feels very piratey, and it just made me have a smile on my face and enjoy a little bit of whatever is going on. So <laughs> despite having a lot of chaos and a family of six, uh, hearing the Sea Shanty song, which is not easy to say, uh, made me quite happy. Sea Shanties are legit. Mm-hmm. Sea shanties are 100% legit. Uh, I mean, they always remind me of um, Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Yeah. Yeah. So I sing sea shanties by the seashore. <laughs> you would. Are you going to say that <laughs> five times fast now? Is that the, <laughs> no. that the setup? Here? The setup? That, was the, that was the I have one good sentence in this whole podcast, and that was going to be it. Arrest downhill. All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and start talking about the NFL. And uh, just to recap and bring us back up to speed, I'm going to pass it to Derek to get us going on the Julio Jones situation. Yeah, so Julio Jones, the second worst-kept secret in the NFL, right behind the Aaron Rodgers situation, Julio Jones wants out of the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, first, uh, most of the reports came out saying that they needed to trade him because of his large cap hit, and the Falcons do not have that kind of cap to spare, and because the the overall cap went down this year rather than up. You always give your contracts out thinking that two years down the road, the cap is going to go up, and so they have a lesser percentage of that of that cap. This uh, this week, actually on Monday of this week, Julio um, Jones came out and said, I want out. Not just the team wants me out, but I want to go somewhere else. Now, for starting with, with Caleb, you you know how it, how it came out. So he was on, uh, he was, the Sharon... Shannon Sharp was on Undisputed. He does that on a daily show. He calls Julio Jones, does not say to him, uh, hey, you're on the air or anything like that. He just calls him up and asks him about the situation. Julio Jones speaks his mind, thinking that he is not on live TV nationwide uh, across the globe. So he speaks his mind. This, of course, is going to, to leave ripples in the NFL everywhere because he is a top three receiver, depending on who you talk to. So Caleb 
How is your reaction to how it came out? So uh, after it came out, it was reported that Julio had asked the team to trade him months ago. And I feel like this is just kind of putting that pressure on because after June 1st is when cap hits can get spread to the following year. So if you're worried about what your cap is going to look like this year after the salary cap went down, you know, next year is when, you know, here in, you know, just over a week is when you can finally get that separation. I think Julio was in on it, even though Shannon kind of made that passing comment like, hey, uh, you're live on air right now, by the way. Uh, If you didn't know that you were live on the air, you were going to know that Julio or that Shannon was going to bring it up on the air. Like there's no such thing as private conversations with people in the media or people in journalism anymore. I, I think people have thrown Shannon under the bus a little bit because he wasn't more outright. I think it was a setup. It was a, hey, we're going to break break this news, on, except everyone knew that Julio wanted to be traded pretty much anyway or that the Falcons were considering trading him anyway. If anything, he just blew some leverage for the Falcons. But at the same time, I don't think that it was that big of a difference. I think they were waiting until after June 1st to trade him. I think it was more of a gag or entertainment and people are acting like there's no way he knew. I think he knew you don't, you, you know, when people are on the air, you know, who's on the air. And I think that that happening with Shannon was just a bit of a setup. Okay. Sean? That, that's a the good Sean. What is your thoughts on how this news came out? And do you trust sports journalists anymore? Uh, I didn't trust sports journalists in the first place. Ah. So, uh, I mean, the only thing that I trust them for is that they're going to do what's best for, you know, their self-interest, whether it be generating clicks, generating listens, generating whatever uh, is going to create income for them. So when situations like this happen, it doesn't really like phase me too much. I do agree with Caleb. I think this was a setup. I think that, by a certain point, uh, Julio was done. And this really wasn't, a, 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 I would say, an aggressive way of breaking news that really had already been broke for quite some time. And I don't, if it wasn't sharp, it would have been somebody else, right? There would have been some other circumstance where he came out and, and let it be known. So... I don't think it was terrible, but it is just a, it's just what you see these days. That's what you see these days. Like it's not even really just in the NFL and in sports entirely. I mean, sorry to, to footy this up, but the Harry Kane situation uh, out of Tottenham is kind of the same, same ball game. He went and did this lengthy interview and basically kept saying, yeah, I, I'm, I'm gone. I went out. I went out. I went out. Let me out. Right. But there had been the underlying rumors for a while that he wanted out. So this is just how things are these days. And some purists don't like it. I mean, uh, you know, to, to pardon my French, tough crap, I guess. Uh, it's just how it is. That's a very good point. And. Like all my points, I'm going to piggyback on Sean because he's the smart one in this uh, conversation. 
and if the if Julio did not know he was live on air, he was using Shannon Sharp for exactly what Caleb said. Even if he, if it doesn't come out his own words on the on the air, Shannon's going to say it. Shannon has no filter. Uh, I mean, he's a great tight end for a a team that uh, I for have a general. Oh, either way. Uh, he is, so everyone knows about that show, and if if it wasn't, you know, oh, he would not live on air. It would have been he, he would have talked about it. Like, oh well, Julio told me this, and then there would have been rumors. In the social media age, you are telling the teams where you're going. You are, you know, you're trying to build your own brand. You're trying to make money outside of football. Um, so. That being said, you know, we know he's going somewhere. So where does he go? Uh, Sean, we'll start with you this time. See, this is tough, right? Because there are a lot of teams that I think are uh, very likely in for him or at least can make the appropriate, uh, has the, have the appropriate trade bait, right? Uh, the Broncos are actually one of them, I think, that could very well land him. Um so for me, right, I think that this is the same team that's out here signing just about dang near everyone. Uh, I think he ends up a Patriot. Right? I think he legitimately ends up a Patriot. Uh, I think this gives them a lot of offensive tools. I know that, generally speaking, Belichick has never really been the type of um, the type of coach to overvalue a star-wide receiver. But he's not afraid of bringing in wide receivers that you would consider to be star wide receivers. It's never one of these circumstances where he's like aggressive and I need to have this player, you know, for my team. Is is this the right, you know, player for the right situation? Uh, And he's not shy about bringing them in. So I think that the Patriots really do feel like a good and likely landing spot uh, for him. Oh, okay. So, Caleb. What are your thoughts? Where do you think he lands? Do you think he goes outside of the division? I do think that he goes outside of the division. If for no other reason, then I don't see the, I don't see them keeping him anywhere close. Not if they can help it. You, you're going to trade him somewhere where you go, where do we have some leeway? Where do we have some freedom here in order to make this contract work? And I really think that it's going to end up being potentially an interesting situation because I do think that there's a lot of potential spots for where he could land. If you're making me pick today, I'm going to send him to the AFC like Sean did. And I'm going to actually say that I think that he could end up with the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are a team that are – you know, trying to get back in there, show that they are capable of doing some things. They have the young running back. They just traded for Carson Wentz. They want to go out there and win some football games. Uh, Unfortunately for Carson Wentz, currently his wide receivers are not that much better than they were in Philly. (laughs) Um, I know that they've invested some draft picks there with like Michael Pittman Jr., Mm-hmm. But I think that if you can go out and get Julio Jones, 
make T.Y., who's lost a little bit of a step with some injuries in the last few years, make him a number two and let some of these young guys like Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman be your three and four, that you're going to be a whole lot better off. So I think that this comes down uh, to him becoming an Indianapolis Colt. To follow up on that, do you think that uh, the Colts are going to try to uh, say this Carson Wentz trade is the best thing ever, so we're going to surround him with weapons and make him look better than he probably actually is? What are your thoughts? Well, considering the fact that they, I mean, they have the some of the coaches that were there when he was at his best in Philly, I do think that you have to invest around him. I also think that being able to go out and get someone like Julio Jones is still a huge coup. Uh, you know, there aren't top five NFL wide receivers available on the market. So if you can go get him, you've kind of been waiting and waiting. But when you did the trade for Wentz, you gave up, you know, probably a first next year to get him if he's going to play most of the season you want to be able to go and make that first as late as possible mm-hmm. for the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, you want to be, because I think in general, I've, I've definitely said this before. I think the the Titans are going to step back this year. Mm-hmm. I think that the Jaguars are better than they were, but the Texans are a mess. The Colts definitely have the division in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of, are they then going to be able to keep up with, the Bills and the Chiefs, who everyone's circling them as the contenders in the AFC. Probably whoever gets out of the AFC North as well, because no one seems to know what they think between the Browns, Ravens, and Steelers, because they all won a ton of games last year. But at some point, neither one of them is going to be the top seed in the AFC. They're going to have to play some extra playoff games, and they might cannibalize each other kind of like they did this past year. So... Uh, I think that you have to put that talent around him. And I think that right now they don't have enough of it there. Yeah. So I don't disagree with either one of you, you guys' points. I mean, I think um, it's really smart, but I think he's going to the opposite coast. I, I think first and foremost, he is going to the Niners. That's the most obvious place that I see. Um, I think uh, Kyle, knows what he's doing. Now, they don't have a first-round pick in the 2022 uh, draft. We know that. We'll find out about that later. Spoiler alert. But um, I think that uh, they put together a package for him and send him to the Niners, or um, he can go to the Chargers. Uh, I think uh, having a young quarterback, a young-ish quarterback, should I say, with a, a strong leader in on the, uh, the wide receiver core, I think that that would be, uh, be a great pickup for the Chargers if they can put together a package for them. That being said, we're going to go into fantasy land for a moment and fantasize that Julio Jones goes to one of our favorite teams. So for me, they would be the Denver Broncos. For Sean, that would be the Philadelphia Eagles. And of course, the Green Bay Packers. For Caleb. So, for Julio going to the Broncos, I'll just go ahead and start since I'm talking, and I can't stop talking for some reason. I don't think we need him on the. I'm sorry? 
I said that happens to us all. Yeah, so I don't think we need him on the Denver Broncos, but he gets traded there anyways. I think they put together uh, a package of Jerry Judy and some uh, probably Patrick Sertan II that they just drafted, something like that, or they give up next year's number one. Uh, I wouldn't. I mean, I don't want to give up the number one uh, next year uh, for Julio Jones because I think we have a good receiving core. We just need a certain A Rod to come be our quarterback, uh, which is going to happen next Tuesday. Um, but speaking of Mr. Rogers, Mr. Packer fan, what do you think about <laughs> how do you get uh, Julio Jones on the Green Bay Packers, or do you want him at all? So if there's one thing that you that we haven't talked about in all of Julio's discussion is that Julio wants to win. And of at least our three favorite teams, the team that's had the most recent postseason success outside of Sean Super Bowl is the Packers with the back-to-back NFC championship appearances. I think that we do give the best opportunity because he would be playing with a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. I was I say, think, it's a little bit too early. Jordan Love says Hall of Fame caliber, but okay. <laughs> uh, so to be honest, I think that you do this move in a way where you actually say, Rodgers, we are all in on you for this year and for the future. And you trade Jordan Love for Julio Jones and you throw in your 2022 first round draft pick. Uh, it would be very uncharacteristic of the Packers to do that. They probably have to throw someone else in in order to get the salary to match. I don't know who that is. I'm not sitting here looking at all the salaries. It's just a matter of, you know, at one point Brady said, hey, I want you guys to get rid of Jimmy G because I'm tired of hearing that he's going to be my replacement. They did. I think that the Patriots end up paying for it down the line because we all saw how weird last season was. But I also think if you say, Aaron, we're going to restructure your contract to get Julio Jones in, and we're going to give you more guaranteed years because we're going to keep you beyond 2021. That's the whole issue. He wants to know that he's going to be there longer. You restructure him, you extend that contract out and you get Julio Jones to come in. Aaron's happy. <laughs> you know, Julio is going to be able to play great alongside Devontae Adams. And uh, if you put Alan Lazard out there as a third receiver, I mean, he's a big, big for the slot, but that's okay. I mean, we can put Adams in the slot occasionally, but he's done it before. So uh, I think that Packers fans would be ecstatic and it would, I, I don't necessarily want to say it would make us front runners in the NFC, but it would sure make us dangerous because we all know that our offensive attack was one of the things that held us back last year. And while the Bucks have brought the gang back together, I don't think they want Julio to, to be one of the people they have to face. So, Sean, what about uh, Julio Fly Eagle flying down the field for your Eagles? Um, so, uh, Atlanta Falcons executives, if you are listening to our podcast, and of course, I'm sure that you are, uh, I would like to interest you in a second rounder next year and a one JJ Arcega Whiteside <laughs> in the exchange. Uh, 
please. Uh, very unlikely. I don't think that we outbid any of the teams that would um, be throwing their hat in the ring. Uh, we do have a lot of young wide receiver talent. So, and we kind of sort of shipped off all of our veterans. Um, by shipped them off, I mean we better let them walk. Uh, you know, really, we just kind of let them walk uh, or cut them. So at this point, like our uh, outside of Devonta Smith, um, you know, we got Jalen Rager last year. Uh, Fogum had a bit of a breakout year. Um, I mean, we still got Greg Ward. We still have Hightower. All of these names aren't Julio Jones, but it's hard to see this being the direction that we would want to go, I think, as a team in trying to trade some of our acquired draft capital. We have been splashy in the past, but this just doesn't feel like the Eagles type of splashy. Uh, That said, I think he would obviously be an excellent addition to the wide receiver core. Uh, would instantly be a number one. I think take a lot of pressure um, off of Rager, who had a rather rough year, especially in comparison to, you know, Justin Jefferson, because that, you know, back to back is always going to be looked at throughout their entire careers, I'm sure. Uh, but I, I just I don't see it. Um, but it is because this is hypothetical land. Uh, yes, please. Uh, second rounder and uh, JJ will you, you'll get another JJ like we're replacing JJ for JJ. It's you know, it's like for like. Right. So come on, Atlanta. No, no. OK, <laughs> I just I don't think they're going to say yes to that one. Sean. I tried. I tried. Well, let's go ahead and let's move over to our way too early 2022 NFL mock draft. If you missed last week's, I'm not going to sit here and say all the teams and who they took because it's kind of crazy. Uh, But if you don't hear your team talked about today, they probably picked last week or we're going to say that your team traded a pick. So (laughs) this is the half of the draft you want to be in if you're hoping to be in the playoffs. So I will go ahead and get us started with pick number 17 for the New York Jets. This is the Jets pick for trading Jamal Adams to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, It's a gift that keeps on giving as, you know, they had a first rounder this past year and now they get a pick this year. So awesome news for them. (laughs) Uh, And they're going to go ahead and they're going to go get another weapon or Zach Wilson, they're going to go get Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver from Ohio State. You know, it's not enough to have these connections across the NFL of, you know, college teammates. You have to go get players with the same name. So getting Zach Wilson to throw to Garrett Wilson is going to be beautiful in, well, New Jersey. Uh, that puts uh, Sean on the clock with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, it does. Uh, that's not who I expected the first wide receiver off the board to be. Uh, so I'll have to I'll have to look at my old draft board. Uh, I have the Steelers wanting some help on the offensive line. I think that uh, there are two players that really stood out to me, both at the left tackle position. That was Charles Cross out of Mississippi State and Thayer Munford uh, out of Ohio State. So we've actually picked quite a few Ohio State guys uh, this draft. This almost feels like how Alabama was 
for the uh, 2021 draft. Uh, but I am going to actually go ahead and go with uh, Charles Cross. Uh, I feel like he is probably the uh, would be the consensus best pick uh, in this spot, and would it really it feels like a bit of a toss up. I think between these two, uh, but I think Charles Cross just edges out just a little bit. And we did have Evan Neal uh, and Zion Nelson both off the board at this point. Uh, so I think that Cross would be who they would go for in this particular circumstance. Yeah, great pick there for Charles Cross. I I like that pick there. Now, moving on to number 19, uh, we have the Washington football team. Now, with them, um, I think that they're going to finally pick a name by 2022. And they will want a face of the franchise that comes with that new name. And there is no better name for a quarterback out there than Carson Strong. The future is strong in Washington, D.C. And so they will pick up Carson Strong from Nevada as their quarterback for the future. So at this point, I mean, Hal's off the board, Rattler's off the board. Um, let's see who else. Uh, uh, Ritter, there. Ritter was off the board. I took him to the Saints. Yeah, so I mean, it's a pretty quarterback-heavy draft for... Oh, it's weird, right? Because it's hard to... When you're looking at all too early drafts, right, you are assuming that players that are expected to break out, break out. There's always like one or two, I think, players that, you know, are that kind of go uh, a lot higher than people originally like projected because they had that strong of a breakout year. Then some people kind of regress a bit. So I don't know. It's just really interesting, I think, to look at. You know, players like a Carson Strong who, you know, for a team like Nevada, like he could break out and then, you know, potentially emerge as a, you know, a, a top 10 draft pick for a, a quarterback needy team. Or he could plummet tremendously. It's um, I, I just really like some of these early drafts and looking at some of these players that are on the cusp, I think, of being you know highly highly touted coming into the nfl uh just i don't know, I, I like to pick I, I think it's a i think it's a good one and uh sean you're actually going to be on the clock this is the eagles getting that first rounder from the colts that we were talking about a little bit earlier earlier you had them take zach harrison the edge rusher uh who do you have them taking here at pick 20 uh so <laughs> I'm glad that I was able to uh, get get this pick uh, in here before the after what I had mentioned last week. Uh, so uh, going to Rocky Top, uh, we're going to finally have another player uh, picked in the first round, uh, and I am going with Cade Mays, uh, offensive tackle. He's from Knoxville, so he's a he's a hometown boy, uh, and I would be thrilled, like absolutely, to go and play for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I think that he is one of the best offensive linemen in this class, and to get him at number twenty, I, I feel it's almost a bit of a coup. 
but I'll take it. I know that I definitely was going to take Maze somewhere. So if if you hadn't taken him here, he was going to be going in the first round. Let me just go ahead and throw that out there. Uh, so for you to move him up the board a little bit, that's fine with me. That makes sense. Uh, I'm going to go ahead. Uh, I'm picking here at 21 for the Cleveland Browns. And I'm going to kind of ignore what may be positions of need and go with just who I think the best player currently is on the board. I know uh, it's a bit of a surprise that he's still here based off of, uh, you know, big boards that I'm seeing, but I'm going to take DeMarvin Wheel, the defensive lineman from Texas A&M. I know that not everyone agrees with what Mel Kuyper says, uh, but he did come out uh, between last week and this week with his top 25 and Leal is his number five. (laughs) So I think, being able to snag him here, add more depth to that defensive line, which, let's face it, Clowney's a rental. I don't think Clowney's going to be that big of an impactor. So no. this is this is a long-term solution as they move forward. So I want to comment on that uh, because the way that I had the board set up is it was basically between Cade Mays and DeMarvin Leal. Uh, for the Eagles. And I, I mean, obviously the Homer in me is going to want to go Cade Mays way. Um, but I think realistically, if I'm the Eagles, I probably would take to Marvin Leal here. Uh, I did have him as the, because uh, the Eagles, we you know acquired this other pick from the Dolphins here, uh, 24, then I, I would have 100% taken Leal. So uh, it's a good pick. I think that he did drop a decent amount. It's hard to look at some of these other pick spots and figure out where it is that he might go. Uh, if you know he doesn't go earlier than than this, so that would be a it'd be a good pickup by the Browns. And oddly enough, Sean is back on the clock with I am uh, another. Uh, this is the. I guess their only pick that we have for them in the first round. This is the Dolphins getting the 49ers first round pick as part of the Trey Lance trade. Uh, So many trades that are impacting things here in some of these later picks. Uh, So Sean, sorry to keep passing it back to you, but you are on the clock with a pick for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, and so I'm probably going to do something. I don't know if this is completely unexpected for your for your guys' boards or not. Uh, I doubt it's going to impact too much. Um, but something that when we talked about the Dolphins last year, uh, one of the things that we consistently said was that their running game was very inconsistent and that that really kept them from having a balanced offense and likely led to them missing the playoffs. So I'm going to have them take the uh, consensus best running back in this draft in Isaiah Spiller out of Texas A&M. I don't trust Miles Gaskin's health long-term. And then if you look at their depth chart at running back, you have a toss-away Malcolm Brown. Uh, If you can tell me who Garrett Dokes is, then you're doing better than I am. Uh, nothing about their running game heading into next season really fills me with a lot of confidence. And if Tua is the answer, then I think the question becomes, how do we balance that offense? Uh, 
And I feel like a player of Isaiah Spiller's caliber would help tremendously. If they if they're picking, you know, uh, this late, they're they're doing it almost in spite of you know probably a lack of offensive balance. So I think Spiller is a great player um, and would do fantastic for him. So that's the direction that I have them going. Derek, Can our that first running back off the off the board is that yeah first running back one? taken Isaiah Spiller. I okay. think. Probably similar to this year, we're going to hear, you know, Spiller versus Hall, kind of like people were arguing about uh, Harris versus Etienne, even though, kind of like Sean said, he sees Harris or Spiller consistently rated higher, kind of like Harris was consistently rated higher than Etienne. There was a few people out there that would have put Etienne higher. I think some of it depends on what are you trying to get out of a running back? I do think that Spiller, I, I have no qualms seeing Spiller as the first back off the board, so... Uh, I think it's a good pick. I know that the Dolphins were at least in the rumor mill at 18 this past year to start thinking of a running back when Harris, that was the earliest I saw people considering him. So at 22, taking a running back off the board, I think it fits. Okay. So moving right along to 23, which is the Dallas Cowboys, um, just south of uh, us Oklahoma people and the number one team across much of the state, uh, even though that's not a good team. They haven't been good since the 90s. Uh, so that being said, uh, I think Jerry Jones wants to protect his checkbook. Um, he knows his checkbook is in Dak Prescott and in Zeke. So uh, at one point in time, the Dallas Cowboys had an amazing offensive line with young talent that really uh, pushed people around, and they could run the ball at will, basically. So I think they are taking uh, a flexible offensive lineman here to move around uh, and learn under uh, Tyron Smith and Zach Martin, where they need to fill in. And Sean, you're gonna need, I need to hit your help with this uh, name. Is it Wanya Morris at a rookie top? The, uh, say it again. W-A-N-Y-A, Wanya. Mm -hmm. You got it? Morris. Yeah, so out of Tennessee, off in the tackle, Wanya Morris to go into the Dallas Cowboys. I thought that we agreed this was the second fastest punter in the draft. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I think that... I think I hate you, actually. <laughs> I think you do, too. You should. I, I even just talked about it. I'm, I'm tired of... Uh, I, actually, I believe it may be pronounced um, Wanye. Wanye. Yeah. I apologize, Mr. Morris, future Dallas Cowboy offensive tackle. That's what I've been trying um, to think. I'm like, is it is it one year or one year? I'm trying to trying to think back to all of the games that I want to forget from this past season. Uh, I'm pretty sure it is it is one year. And I'm just tired of Tennessee players going to the Cowboys and then, you know, having good careers. I don't, I don't want it anymore. Uh, just to prove Sean's point, it is pronounced one year on his current Tennessee Vols 
profile, it says Wanye, and in parentheses, rhymes with Kanye. There we go. Now we know. Oh, man. I'm not saying he's a gold digger, but he's going to be playing for Jerry Jones. He's going to be the number one draft when he comes out. Um, I, I This guy is going to do good things, and he's going to be the number one overall pick. Well, uh, Sean, uh, just to recap prior picks here, the Eagles have taken Zach Harrison, the edge rusher, and Cade Mays, the offensive tackle. Now they have their third first-round pick in this round, courtesy of the Miami Dolphins pick. And it'll be interesting. This means the Dolphins got uh, eliminated there in the wild card round but had a strong record. So who do you have the Eagles taking as they get to – I would say the rich get richer. I feel like the Eagles have so many picks right now that it's just ridiculous to think of three first rounders. No, it is. And I've had fun with this. Uh, if I'm, if I'm being honest, going through and trying to think about how, uh, the Eagles would juggle all of these picks and who they would prioritize in what positions. And one of the things that I mentioned when, um, you know, Zach Harrison came off the board is, you know, is this how would they prioritize this? Um, and I really like Zach Harrison as a prospect. So I know he wasn't uh, exactly the highest rated, um, I would say, edge rusher um, or defensive end off the board uh, or on a lot of people's draft boards. But I think that he is going to rise rapidly. I just want to defend and justify that pick. Uh, so I then, I would want to go back defensively. I think offensively we're fine, um, with, you know, what talent we have. Uh, and there really isn't anybody that jumps out at me as being a, a must pick up here. So I, I think we either look at a linebacker or I think we end up looking in the secondary, um, at a good cover corner and the two players that jump out at me, uh, Ventro Miller out of Florida, uh, linebacker or seven banks, uh, the, uh, uh, out of Ohio state. And it's tough. Um, I was actually, cause I didn't figure that either one of these would come off the board before here. So I didn't really know which direction I would, I was kind of hoping that one of them might, so it would make it a little bit easier for me. Uh, I'm going to ask your I'm going to ask your guys' opinions. Who do the Eagles, what do the Eagles go for here? Do they go uh, linebacker or do they go get some help in the secondary? Uh, personally, I would go with Banks. I tend to think that there's just more value in getting a cornerback than typically going with a linebacker. So, my my pick would be on Seven Banks in the big board that I did put together. Banks was also a little bit higher. I have Banks as well. I think you you have to, in today's league, you have to have secondary. So we're going to go with Ventrum. <laughs> no, seven, I, seven Banks was the direction I was leaning because we have had uh, ups and downs in the secondary over the course of about the last four or five years. Uh, so I think that, uh, again, going with Ohio State guys, uh, it just seems like the... The they're the Alabama this season or this upcoming draft season. Are so you seven, saying are you saying that the Ohio State University is the 2022 NCAA football champions? Uh, it's definitely not the Nebraska Cornhuskers. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm I'm not surprised. Uh, 
I do have a, th uh, a curveball to throw at uh, Sean over there. So of those, those <laughs> three Eagles picks, uh, which one do you give up or to, in a package to get Julio Jones, our original uh, conversation piece? None of them. I don't think you give up a first rounder for a 32 year old wide receiver. I just, it's, I don't care how good they are. It just, I, I can't, I can't see us doing that. Um, maybe a, if, if anything, maybe a later one. Um, but I wouldn't want to give up really any of them. If, if, you know, Jones was 28, 29. Yeah, that's fine. But we bring him in. What do we do? Give him a, you know, we trade for him, give him a two-year deal, three-year deal. You know, wide receiver is one of those positions that not everybody, you know, like not everybody's Larry Fitzgerald in this league right now where you're you know, playing until you're 37, 38. Uh, you know, we'll see how many more productive years Jones has. But I really wouldn't put him, you know, past playing probably at his current level for another two years tops. And so I think that anybody that does trade for him is going to get a two-year deal, maybe a three-year deal for him. And, you know, it's going to be front-loaded. Uh, and in reality, I, I don't know if it would be worth giving up a first-rounder for. I think a second-rounder is fine uh, alongside, you know, some, some players that can help fill roles. But, man, if we get three first-round picks, I don't, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. Okay. So speaking of Larry Fitzgerald, the Cardinals are on the clock. Caleb, this is your pick. And we're going to be right back with that <laughs> pick after this break. Oh. All right. And we are back. The Cardinals are on the clock. I'm going to keep this short and sweet because you guys just listened to the break. I'm taking George Karloftis, the defensive lineman from Purdue. I think that the Cardinals have shown that they value that position with Chandler Jones and now bringing in J.J. Watt, and they need to get some youth at that position. Uh, Carl Loftus would could be a really high pick, actually, depending on how he bounces back from injuries. Uh, he missed a lot of the 2020 season, so I think Carl Loftus is a, a solid pick especially if you go Cardinal saying, hey, we want to take someone that may be more athletic. That kind of fits the mold of the type of player they usually select. So I feel good about that for the Arizona Cardinals, and I will pass it to Derek as he is on the clock for the Baltimore Ravens. So when I was in college, I used to write a lot of papers. And, of course, I have to cite my source when I basically – Plagiarize. Um, I would like to plagiarize on your last uh, pick for Diva of Line and post it for the Ravens. So, uh, Colas Campbell is getting up in years. He is still a very good player on that defensive line, but I think they want to bring in someone and value the defensive line. So, with that, um, since Leal is no longer there, he was the number one that I had in that spot. I'm going to go Perion Winfrey out of Oklahoma as a the defensive tackle there. And I think he slides in on an inch into the rotation with the Ravens and uh, learns and becomes the next great uh, defensive lineman. 
Not bad, not bad. Uh, that puts me uh, with pick number 27 with the Chargers. So uh, I think that with Carlapsis going off the board, that's actually who I originally had them slotting and taking. I thought that him falling this far uh, would be a bit unusual. I would expect, quite honestly, a team a little bit earlier than at number 25 to pick him up. But if he is getting picked up at 25, then he may have had a bit of a, uh, not to say a down year, but in, you're you're right. Injuries could have caught up with him a little bit and maybe hurt his draft stock just a tad. Uh, so I'm actually going to have the Chargers giving uh, uh, Justin Herbert some more weapons. I'm going to go ahead and take the second wide receiver off the board. Uh, and I'm going to have them take a player that, um, quite honestly, could be the first wide receiver off the board in the actual draft. Um, and that's Chris Olave, the wide receiver, again, out of the Ohio State. Uh, I think that, you know, I, no, no offense to Keenan Allen or Mike Williams. I, you guys are, are, are above average. Um, but I really think that for, I mean, they the Chargers have Austin Eckler. Uh, I think that giving Herbert as many weapons as you possibly can is going to be the way they, they're going to just put points up, put points up, put points up. Uh, so I feel like they do go wide receiver here. I could potentially, uh, seeing them go with like a George Pickens, the wide receiver out of Georgia, if he has a really good year, uh, he did miss all, quite a bit of time uh, with a torn ACL. So, you know, if he bounces back, he could be one of the first, you know, two, three receivers off the board. Uh, but again, I'm, I'm going with the school that I, apparently I want to pick all the players from. Yeah, in the real draft in 2022, in, in April, um, there's no way that Chris Olave lands at 27. He's going to be picked up. So much higher, I think. Um, I think he's got he's got that kind of talent. So if he falls to the Chargers, and the Chargers get a steal. I mean, he's definitely got the college production. That's what you cannot argue with. And I do think people were surprised that he decided to return. I think that in general, a lot of the Buckeyes feel like they probably have a little bit of unfinished business with what they're trying to do there. So that makes sense. I I, I see what. I think Olave could could go high. He also, I don't think, has the most remarkable, like, I don't think he's going to show up well at, like, a combine. I don't think that he's going to be the person that they're like, he's not going to be DK Metcalf, where you're like, oh, gosh, this guy blew yeah. us off the charts everywhere. But that production has to come in somewhere. Uh, I would call him a less productive version of Devonta Smith. Like, that's probably the, the most equitable thing I can say. And he's got more height than Devonta Smith, but. Not by a ton, but no, I, I, I do get what you're saying. Uh, and I think that uh, Derek is completely right. that It's very unlikely that he drops this far. But it's so hard to do these types of early mock drafts because you really don't know what players are going to show up and how they're going to show up in following seasons. And, you know, he could, like, I mean, especially if Ohio State does win a natty, then, you know, it could bump his stock way up in the, it's kind of the same way that I think, you know, Mac Jones wouldn't have been a first round pick uh, had he not had such a special season. 
So it's it does happen. Uh, I'm going to actually stay at wide receiver for the Packers at pick number 28. And I'm going to take someone that is not from Ohio State. <laughs> I, I guess I, I've got to get a pig call out, maybe do a little woo pig suey. And uh, so I'm taking Traylon Burks, the wide receiver from Arkansas. I know that Burks is not necessarily someone that I think people are as aware of today as they will be next fall. I think that he's got good size for a receiver at 6'3", 225. I also think that him being able to go out and just get some things done. They've used him in some running motions. And just like when you look at what he did against Missouri, where it's a game like 10 catches for 206 yards and a touchdown, that's going to jump off some tape at, at scouts. Like I said, 6'3", 225, and he's got some good speed. He's going to be really young because uh, he's only a junior this coming year. I think Burks is going to be someone that people are, are moving up the board from where they have him now. I think the Packers would be excited to get him here at pick number 28. Uh, we just went wide receiver, wide receiver. Are you going to make it a trifecta with the Buccaneers picking here at 29, Derek? Uh, third time's a charm. So with the Buccaneers, they're going to take a wide receiver because most of their wide receivers are rental players. Um, they are staying around just for Thomas Brady. And when he goes down or retires after this year, um, they're going to go away today. Uh, Antonio Brown signed his deal officially. So he comes back. Um, they're going to look for a uh, a decently tall receiver in Jahan Dodson out of Penn State. And uh, a fast guy who can um, go up and get it. So I think that, uh, yeah, we're going to go for a, a three for three and, uh, and then take a a need that the, the Buccaneers are going to have. I think the Tra Kyle Trask era brings in a uh, a new receiver, pits him with the second-year quarterback, and uh, the Buccaneers do some good things. Was not necessarily expecting dots in there, but uh, I will tell you we are not going four for four. What? <laughs> the Chiefs I, are not going to take a receiver? No. Uh, I hate to disappoint all the people that would love to. Somehow, just I have to throw this out there. Somehow I heard the Chiefs being brought up in the Julio Jones trade discussion. I'm like, if the Chiefs have Julio Jones as their third option, this is some sort of rigged AFC where like you have Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and then you're like, or we, I guess we can throw it to Julio. Uh, also, we have McCall Hardman in the slot. Like, he's crazy fast. Like, <laughs> like th things that you do not want to see when you have to play them this coming year. That is the category I would put that in. Uh, I, I am going to go ahead and give them an offensive lineman because I do think at some point this reshuffling experiment is going to backfire for them. I'm going to go ahead and take Jackson Kirkland, the offensive tackle from Washington. I think that he would be a solid pickup for them here. Uh, Washington 
has had some good offensive linemen the last couple of years. A little bit more under the radar, but I do think that Kirkland is someone who will be able to rise to the occasion and could be a, a huge opportunity there for him with Kansas City. Uh, Sean, that puts you back on the clock with the Detroit Lions. Uh, this is their pick that they acquired in the Matthew Stafford trade. Earlier at pick number two, you had them take Sam Howell. Yes, I did. Uh, are you going? Is there like a, a North Carolina wide receiver or anyone that you can like tie him to? Because I feel like that we saw that so many times this past season. Uh, you know, anyone interesting that you are pairing with him there in Detroit? No, um, not not from North Carolina. No, uh, I actually kind of hinted at who I would potentially be taking here uh, when I was talking about the Chargers pick and the fact that he did not come off the board uh, kind of threw me a bit for a loop. Uh, and I'm going to take George Pickens, the wide receiver mm -hmm. from Georgia. So it is going to be a, a four for five here for wideouts. Uh, I think that uh, Pickens could probably be considered the con like not to say consensus number one, um, but if he does recover from his injury, he could be the first wide receiver off the board. So I think that the Lions do go and get how uh, some additional weapons. The wide receiver core for the Lions right now not the most impressive. Uh, I mean, what Perriman, uh, Tyrell Williams. Uh, who else? Yeah, I, I, exactly. I, I can't, I, so I think that getting a um, kind of a, a clear consensus number one wideout, uh, as uh, you've seen Pickens be for Georgia, I think would be a it would be a great fit for him. Um, I could even see them going with John Mechie out of Alabama. Uh, I think would. But also, it just depends really on how Pickens recovers and then whether or not he, like Mechie, has a, a breakout year now that, you know, basically Alabama has uh, been picked clean uh, offensively with last year's draft. I, I definitely can see the Lions valuing receiver as a position of need. And, you know, if Pickens bounces back, like you said, from injury, I think that's a huge pickup for Campbell and the Lions as they're clearly doing a bit of a rebuilding effort with Howell early in this draft and uh, Sewell anchoring the offensive line. Now, Derek, you do get our Mr. Irrelevant, the number 32 pick, which is going to uh, who I apparently said was going to be the Super Bowl champion, Buffalo Bills. Uh, so who do you have them taking and why is it George Georgopoulos? <laughs> you have to explain you know, I, that. But it's so much more fun not to explain it. He's a punter that goes to UMass. Hey, Look it up, kiddos. Can I, is he on Twitter? Let me see if he's on Twitter. I'm going to tag him and say that we picked him. For... <laughs> he is that actually that, that second round pick that I, uh, that I traded to Sean for my crappy. He is actually the second round pick. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's exactly what's happening. So, because the Bills are Super Bowl champions, they get absolutely drunk, and they do a, a stretch to get uh, the first-round pick. Um, I think they're going to need interior linemen 
specifically a center. So they will take the pedigree uh, draft pick of Luke Matthews, the center out of Texas A&M, um, son of Bruce, Bruce Matthews, Hall of Famer, and brother to Jake Matthews. Uh, I think that um, you're, I mean, you won Super Bowl, you really don't care the same way the Buccaneers don't, uh, don't really care about their draft pick this year uh, because they brought all of their players back. Um, I'm not sure the, the Bills are going to be able to do that this uh, fantasy year. And I think they go for Luke Matthews to shore up a connection with Josh Allen and to protect him right up the middle and to be able to run the ball up the middle to take a little pressure off of Josh. I mean, I can never argue against the Matthews in the first round. It worked out pretty well for us. So, yeah. no, I can um, I can definitely see that. I, I think it's it's one of those positions that isn't flashy, but you want a guy who's going to be there forever. And so you have to kind of time when you replace them, and it's that is not a plug and play type position like you see. I think there are some other offensive line positions that you can kind of plug and play. They're the ramp up time uh, isn't as heavy. Center, you, you can't really do that. So I think it'd be a good pick. Yeah, so I think that uh, they definitely need to have someone there for the rest of Josh Allen's career. And I think that's the pickup there. And yeah, I think he's going to have a breakout year. I think that, that he's got a lot of good stock and a lot of uh, good hype behind him. So, um, I mean, look what uh, the Pouncey Twins did at Florida and then going into the uh, the NFL. Uh, that uh, Marquise Pouncey, that was the Steelers center for many, many years. I believe it was uh, that that twin. Yeah, yeah, don't make me get the Marquise Pouncey Twins Mike. not mixed up in my head. Um, yeah, Mike. Uh, Mike played for the Dolphins. Okay, that's what it was. But uh, I mean, the Bounty Twins didn't outlast Tebow. Tebow's back in the league, and uh, Marquise is retiring. So now we all. I mean, I'm not sure we're ever going to outlive. I don't think anyone's going to outlive Tebow in this uh, NFL. I mean, I'm sure that. Tebow will retire before Brady. I mean, apparently Justin Blackman's trying to make a return to the NFL, so <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. I'm telling you right now, just get that guy a driver. Do whatever you want to do in the backseat, man. Just get a driver and and don't drive in Oklahoma. I wouldn't. Not, not after all of that. Well, uh, man, that was exciting. Picks 17 through 32, our 2022 way too early NFL mock draft is in the books. Uh, I think that I should pull this up in April and see how badly we did, but I will probably just keep that to ourselves. No, no, no. I think that's fair. You can uh, go through and look and see how many we got right or how I would say less, you know, getting the positions and pick spots right because, you know, you never really know the teams are going to do. 
Um, but just how many first round picks we ended up getting, you know, total, like how many players panned out the way that we thought they were going to pan out. I think if we have more than 50%, I'm proud of us. So uh, definitely a lot of fun. I always challenge people whenever we do something like this to give it a shot themselves, because until you start filling it out, you don't know how crazy it is. Uh, but it's definitely a ton of fun. And I w- will say to all of the Brodies and Brodettes that are out there listening to us, we appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to our fun and feisty podcast. Uh, make sure that you find us on Twitter, which is Brody Talk, which is B R O D I E T A L K. I got it right, Sean. Good job. <laughs> Even though I slowed it down a ton because I knew that I was butchering it last time. Uh, oh, man. I'm happy that we're not Broid Talker. We were before. <laughs> also, if you, you know, need those sweet Brody Sports Talk hats, coffee mugs, or hoodies, you can always find those uh, in our link tree with the rest of our podcast links, which is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Brody Talk. And we, I got to say, we are just trying to get things out there so that you guys can enjoy them. And so it's a lot of fun to be able to say that we have merchandise available. Yeah. We appreciate all the fun times that we have on Twitter and just knowing that you guys are listening to our podcast. The fact that uh, even within this year, we maybe have picked up just as many listens as we had in the prior year and a half that we recorded before uh, makes me proud. I feel like we're doing some fun things and we're, we're getting somewhere. So we definitely appreciate you guys listening. Share us with a friend. Uh, if you want to give us a five-star review, that's cool. Pod chaser, Apple podcasts, wherever you want to put that down. Uh, we always just appreciate you listening and supporting us through those. Um, I will say we are not doing round two next week. What? For which I'm grateful. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we will be having things go in a little bit of a different direction, which I'm excited to uh, bring that next week and start going through kind of what our whole plan is for, for June for the podcast. So uh, getting close to that two-year anniversary, it's a lot of fun. Uh, on behalf of Sean and Derek, my name is Caleb Walgren, and we are signing out. Later. Omaha!